from the book of Isaiah. And he saw a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses and a chariot of camels. And he hearkened diligently with much heed. And he cried, A lion, my lord. I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set my ward whole nights. And behold, here cometh the chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, thank you for joining me this morning. Today, we are going to have a short broadcast. We're going to be looking at, or continuing our study, rather, in the prophet Isaiah, ready for chapter 20 and 21. Most of this we're still dealing with is history, but... I think we can tell by some of the phrasing when we look at chapter 21 here, which is only 17 verses, uh, that my more and more, my theory that prophecy often has a near and far fulfillment, or you might say a a multiple fulfillments. Uh, I use the uh, abomination of desolation as one of many examples. Uh, where we can kind of see that playing out. Uh, but when we look at the language here, um, dealing with the fall of Babylon, uh, that same those same words are used. Babylon is fallen, is fallen, which many of us are familiar with who study the book of Revelation, right? Uh, if you go to Revelation 14, verse 8, it says, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. The great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And then Revelation 18.2, talking about the same thing. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Revelation 18.21, the mighty angel took up the stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down, and shall be found no more at all. So we see similar language being used, um, which, you know, when you study the book of Revelation, and I have a study that I did many years ago on the book of Revelation, And one of the things I focused on in that study was pointing out all the symbolism and, you know, nuances and stuff are all foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Like, you can go find just about all that imagery. So if you're confused about what something means in the book of Revelation, you can go find it in the Old Testament and and pretty clearly figure out what what it's speaking to. So if you haven't checked out that series, you should check it out. It's really something I need to redo. Um, Series like that need to be renewed and refreshed every five years or so. Um, It's on my list. It's just, it's a big undertaking. Um, 
but it's certainly on my list. I'd love to hear in the comments uh, how interested you guys are in a in a rehash of that study. Uh, one last thing I want to say is, you know, earlier this week we we studied prophecy from the Gospel of Matthew, and I've I've covered that many many times. But I think there's probably three studies of the Gospel of Matthew now on the YouTube channel, and I'm sure I come at it from different angles in all three studies. The big thing I was trying to get across, and I just want to clarify, is that when it comes to prophecy, that is the one area of theology where I try to be very, very open to possibilities. And so I just want to make sure that everyone understands that I, I, I know what the main viewpoints are. Trust me, I've studied them till my eyes bleed. I mean... I've looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And I can see the validity. I can see that it, that all those perspectives have a valid and valuable point. And my fallback has been, you know what? I think that this is going to shake out a little different than what we all think. And so I try to preach, approach prophecy with humility and understand that prophecy is only understood in hindsight and if you need a better example go just go look at the apostles Jesus was not doing any of the things that they were expecting him to do or the religious leaders were expecting them to do he wasn't fulfilling prophecy in the way that they expected now occasionally something crazy would happen like he rode in on the donkey right and everyone's crying out Hosanna, like everybody recognized that. Uh, but for the most part, they didn't understand that he was going to come as a suffering servant. And that he was going to be the sacrificial lamb, spotless without blemish. And that he was going to atone for our sins in a very real and literal way. So when it comes to prophecy, let's have that attitude of humility. And really what we should be doing as believers is coming together in love and having uh, discussions about these things, not drag outs. What I see, instead of people coming together and saying, hey, let's look at it like this. Okay, that's a good point. Let's look at it like this. Okay, that's a good point. And understanding these views and getting them in our minds and hearts of how it could possibly be. You know, instead, what I see is people just going at each other's throats calling each other stupid. You don't believe the rapture is going to happen at this time, so you're not going to go in the rapture. You're going to go to hell because you believe this. And it's just, I just see it and I just shake my head. Uh, that is not what God wants for us. So anyway, there's a rant to start this podcast. Let's get to the reading. It won't take long. Chapter 20 is only like six verses, and then chapter 21 is only 17. So let's start with chapter 20. It's a sign, a warning to Egypt and Cush about some judgment that's coming. There is an interesting nuance here that we'll take a short note of. Chapter 20, the book of Isaiah. In the year that the commander came to Ashdod, when Sargon, the king of Assyria, sent him and fought against Ashad and captured it. And at that time the Lord spoke through Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loosen the sackcloth from your hips and take your shoes off your feet. And he did so 
going naked and barefoot. So please note, first thing I want to point out is Assyria is not Syria. Okay, There was a kingdom of Assyria, which really was made up of northern Iraq, a little bit of Syria, a little bit of Turkey, and Iran. Okay, So it was a, it was a pretty, pretty heavy kingdom. Notice that God is doing something that he actually does often with his prophets is he kind of makes them a living parable for the day. And uh, one example would be Hosea, right? God instructed Hosea to marry a harlot. This seems crazy, but Hosea's life would be a living parable before the people of God as a witness. And it was a re- and it was to demonstrate the relationship issue. You know, I, uh, Hosea is constantly being wronged and hurt by this harlot woman who's unfaithful. And that was to be a parable to God's people, how they act towards him. How they're supposed to be married to him, but they act the harlot chasing after false gods. Similar, similarly here, Isaiah is a living parable for this short moment. Um, going before them naked to demonstrate what was about to happen to them. Continuing on. And he did so, going naked and barefoot. Verse 3. And the Lord said, Even as my servant Isaiah has gone naked and barefoot three years as a sign and a token against Egypt and Cush, so the king of Assyria will lead away the captives of Egypt and the exiles of Cush, young and old, naked and barefoot, with buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. Then they will be dismayed and ashamed because of Cush, their hope in Egypt, their boast. So the inhabitants of this coastland will say in that day, Behold, such is our hope where we fled for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria. And we, how shall we escape? That's chapter 20. Let's look at chapter 21. 17 verses deals with the bat with Babylon. Uh, more judgment where Babylon's concerned. Let's have a look. Chapter 21. The oracle concerning the wilderness of the sea. As windstorms and the Negev sweep on, it comes from the wilderness from a terrifying land. A harsh vision has been shown to me. The treacherous one still deals treacherously, and the destroyer still destroys. Go up, Elam, lay siege, Media. I have made an end of all the groaning she has caused. For this reason my loins are full of anguish. Pains have seized me like the pains of a woman in labor. I am so bewildered I cannot hear, so terrified I cannot see. My mind reels, horror overwhelms me. The twilight I longed for has been turned for me into trembling. They set the table, they spread out the cloth, they eat, they drink. Rise up, captains, oil the shields. For thus the Lord says to me, Go, station the lookout. Let him report what he sees. And when he sees riders, horsemen in pairs, a train of donkeys, a train of camels, let him pay close attention, very close attention. Then the lookout called, O Lord, I stand continually by day on the watchtower, and I am stationed every night at my guard post. 
Now behold, here comes a troop of riders, horsemen in pairs. And one said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon. And all the images of her gods are shattered on the ground. O oh, my threshed people, am I afflicted of the threshing floor? What have I heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I make known to you? Please note, a lot of imagery there, and I would encourage you to go read it again for yourself or re-listen, reverse uh, the podcast and listen again. It's that very similar talk. Babylon has made the world groan. Um, pains are coming, just like the labor pains of a woman, right? These are all prophetic images that we hear in New Testament prophecy. But it's, 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 all of that's foreshadowed in the Old Testament, in the prophets. And the Lord says to go station lookouts or watchmen and report what's happening. And then we get that famous line that we've all heard, Fallen, fallen is Babylon. The study Bible I have right here says this, The watchmen proclaimed the tragic end of mighty Babylon, which initially fell to the Assyrians in 689 B.C., and again to the Persians in 539 B.C. Yet, Isaiah's prediction looked forward to the ultimate fall of the great enemy of God. As verified by John's creation of this verse in Revelation, or citation, I'm sorry, of this verse in Revelation 14 and 18. There's also some references that you can go look up for yourself in Jeremiah 50, 51, and 49. Babylon is a theme throughout throughout all the Word of God, and as we see in the book of Revelation, also for the very end. All right, we're almost done here. Oracle about Edom and Arabia. About ten more verses and we'll be done. The oracle concerning Edom. One keeps calling to me from Seir. Watchman, how far gone is the night? Watchman, how far gone is the night? The watchman says, morning comes, but also night. If you would inquire, inquire, come back again. The oracle about Arabia and the thickets of Arabia. You might spend the night, O caravans of Dedanites. Bring water for the thirsty, O inhabitants of the land of Tama. Meet the fugitive with bread, for they have fled from the swords, from the dawn sword, from the drawn swords, and from the bent bow, and from the press of battle. For thus the Lord said to me, In a year, as a hired man would count it, all the splendor of Kedar will terminate. In the remainder of the number of bowmen, the mighty men of the sons of Kedar will be few, for the Lord God of Israel has spoken. Now, my friends, is our study and the prophet Isaiah chapter 20 and 21. These prophecies are important. Yes, they deal with a real short-term issue that Isaiah was uh, preaching to in his day. But they also look forward to very likely the time that we find ourselves living in now. And so when I read these prophecies, I take it to heart. The word of God is alive and living. 
And when you truly understand that it's that it's alive, that it's living, that it speaks to every generation that ever lived, you can see that there's nothing in the Word of God that would be unfruitful or unuseful. It's all there for us. I pray that you've been blessed this morning. Thank you for listening. It's uh, it's hard times, you know, and I just pray that you would pray for me and my family. Um, like I said, when you when you do this, you come up against it, right? And so, if you could just pray for mighty hedge protection about me and my family, I'd appreciate that, and that God would just bless and prosper the work here. And uh, those of you who support it month after month and make this possible, um, I'm I'm just forever grateful. So thank you for your support. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.